11 creative side hustles that make real money. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because grateful sure beats hateful. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family as we head into the home stretch of 2020. Now, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of the year, but like so many other things this year, our longstanding Friendsgiving tradition has been put on pause to be continued another time. But here's a tradition that lives on. This is year three of a special Thanksgiving Side Hustle Show episode that showcases 10 creative out-of-the-box side hustle ideas that make real money. And actually, we've got 11 this year. It's a bonus. And if you like this format, I would love for you to check out the first two in this series. Those are episodes 310 and 363. Both of those are in the top 10 all-time most popular side hustle show episodes. As you listen in, see if any themes stand out to you. Helping people, piggybacking on trends, learning new skills, stuff like that. Along those lines, one tool to help you level up your skills is our sponsor, Skillshare.com. With any new side hustle, there's always lots to learn. Thankfully, Skillshare offers thousands of inspiring classes for lifelong learners and creative and curious people like us. You'll find classes on topics like productivity, freelancing, social media, design, and tons more. As a Side Hustle Show listener, I want to invite you to explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle and get a free trial of Skillshare Premium Membership. That's Skillshare.com slash Side Hustle to get started today. There's thousands of dollars in the next half hour or so, but remember, fortune favors the action takers. Ready? Let's do it. Speaking of learning new skills, creative side hustle number one is piano tuning. Josh Kemp explains. Hey guys, it's Josh Kemp from RaleighPianoTuning.com, also JoshKemp.Teachable.com and RaleighFountains.com. As you can tell, I do lots of side hustles, but today I want to talk to you about what I think is one of the fastest, best growing ways to make money, and it's there's almost zero competition. Um, and that's piano tuning. I started piano tuning and I did not know how to play piano, like literally nothing. So don't think I'm like this great musician with a degree in music. In fact, I don't have any degree. <laughs> but I hired a piano tuner to tune my piano that I got off Craigslist for like 300 bucks. I hired him for $135 to come. He never showed up. And I thought to myself, how much work is there if someone won't show up to tune a piano for $135? I was a little annoyed. And I said, I'm going to look into this. I'm going to learn how to do this just because I want to try, right? I like just learning new things. I bought a course online for $750. It ended up being a horrendous course. It taught me how to tune pianos like it was 1911 or 1900s. No knowledge about how to use electronic tuners. There's an app on your phone that basically shows you how to tune a piano. And it's way easy. It was unbelievable how easy. Now, the older tuners don't use that app. Most people don't even realize there is an app like that. So having that knowledge is incredible. Basically, you can go tune any piano. And with that app, it's like your ears are experienced like you've been tuning pianos your whole life. With that said, I put some free ads, didn't pay a penny on marketing. I put them on Facebook Marketplace and I put them on Nextdoor, the neighborhood app. And I think I put one on Craigslist, which wasn't very good. I ended up getting... 17 piano tunings the first month in July. And I then started tapering it off because 
I do other things as well. And my wife was like, look, you can't do everything. <laughs> so I could have done it a ton more. But first month, 17 piano tunings, I made about $1,500. I only tuned pianos on the side like every week. For six months, I made $8,000. Toward the last few months, I only was doing two pianos a week because that's all I wanted to do. When I first started tuning pianos, I put an ad on Thumbtack requesting people to tune my piano. And then I looked at the price range. The cheapest was $70. The highest was like $160. And I said, okay, I'm going to go right at the bottom, around $80 because I'm totally new. I'd only tuned, I think, one piano at that time. I got my first piano tuning for, I think, $85. And I got tons of work. And then I just upped the price as I booked out for two weeks. I upped it to $90. My ads on Facebook Marketplace, I just changed the price. And then I got booked up more three weeks out. I upped it to $100. And about $100 seemed to be roughly what people would pay. Toward the end of the six months tuning, I ended up getting about $125 per tuning. In some cases, $135. So to me, it's a super profitable business. Takes not that much skill, to be quite honest with you. It's very mechanical in nature with the app. If you didn't have the app, it'd be very hard. And there's almost zero competition because everyone who is a piano tuner, most of them are very old, cranky guys who are like 65 years old, ready to retire. They're not fighting for business. They have enough work. It's amazing for young people. Most people haven't even heard about it. So I'd encourage people, all you need to do this is a tuning hammer, which is about $50. And the app is $300, one-time costs. I don't make the app. It's just an app on the phone, but it's amazing. And I have a course. It's a free course. Don't charge anything. I did charge originally, but now I've just decided to give it away for free. And you know, if you have the course, the hammer, and the app, you can go make money tomorrow. It's amazing opportunity, and I think people should look into it. I think this is what I love most about my job. Piano tuning never would have been on my radar, but here we are. Low startup cost, relatively high value per job. Plus, I imagine the types of customers who are paying to get their pianos tuned are going to be good people to know for other potential businesses, other potential services down the road. Again, check out Josh's course. It is free, joshkemp.teachable.com, K-E-M-P. 2020 has brought with it a number of in-person businesses making the leap online. But one business I didn't expect to see go virtual is creative side hustle number two, babysitting. Yet on virtualbabysittersclub.com, you can book a virtual babysitting session with a wide variety of professional entertainers. Now, you can't just open up the Zoom call and uh, leave your house for a date night, but these interactive video calls do aim to provide a little relief for parents and a side hustle opportunity for those who've had their income hit by the pandemic. The service was created by actress, singer, slash dancer, uh, Christina Hanford, and her partner, Kyle Riley. Kyle told Business Insider, quote, Christina was having so much fun FaceTiming with the young boy she used to nanny for, and she was helping the parents through the crisis. I said to her, why not start a virtual babysitter's club? She thought it was a great idea, and we knew there was no one better suited to handle the job than performers, end quote. On virtual babysitter's club, one-hour public group sessions are $18 per child, one-on-one sessions are 30 bucks an hour, and if you can gather a group of five or more kids, you can book a private group session for $90. Again, per Business Insider, quote, virtual babysitters club sessions are led by talented performers with diverse backgrounds from musical theater to television show hosts, singers, puppeteers, and more. All performers go through a rigorous background check before approval, end quote. 
It's interesting that Sitter City and other childcare services have also added virtual options with rates in the $10 to $20 an hour range. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes. T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster, and 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors, and what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you love kids and can keep their attention through a screen... Here's a new safe, socially distant side hustle for you. Creative side hustle number three will appeal to all the treasure hunters out there, and that's lost ring finding. Hello, my name is Dan Rickley, and I'm a professional lost ring finder. Yes, that really does exist. I own and operate lostandfoundring.com, a business that helps people find their lost rings and other precious jewelry, cell phones, car keys, hearing aids, and even the occasional buried cache of coins in someone's backyard. How did I come up with the idea, and how did I get my first customer? We were vacationing in Siesta Key Beach in Florida with my family, and we saw a guy walking up and down the beach with a metal detector. This in and itself isn't unusual in Florida, but we noticed that he had a thick gold chain with about a dozen rings around it. Intrigued, my son and I walked up and started a conversation with him. Turns out they were all rings that he had found on the beach, and he wore them every day, hoping to reunite them with the person who lost them, which I thought was kind of cool. When we got back home, my son asked me if we could get one of those treasure finders, and it was something that I had always wanted, so it wasn't too hard of a sell. So we bought a cheap detector and hit local parks and schoolyards, other public areas. And at that time, a good day was finding over a dollar and change. We thought we were kings if we came home with more than a dollar and change. 
However, we both really wanted to be like that guy on the beach and find some rings, and even better, to be able to return them to somebody. So I was messing around on Craigslist, has a lost and found section, and actually one day ran across a guy who had lost his ring after changing after an Ironman race uh, just outside my hometown. We contacted him, got the location, got some details, and went out and looked. And after about 20 minutes, we actually found the ring. The metal detector had beeped, had got a really good signal, and we saw just the curvature of the ring sticking out from underneath the ground. Almost looked like somebody had stepped on the ring, probably while searching for it. So we packed it up, sent the ring back to the guy, and we thought that was the end of it. A couple weeks later, though, we got a nice thank you and a check for $200. We quickly sold our cheap detector and used that $200 to buy a slightly nicer one. Over the next couple years, we did that a couple more times and quickly realized that we could turn this into a nice side business where we could do something that we truly enjoyed, metal detecting, find rings, which is cool, and be able to return them to people all while running a business and making a profit and using some of that profit to buy the latest and greatest equipment without really having to think twice about it. I structure my fees in two parts. First is a search fee. This simply covers my time and gas and is paid whether I find the item or not. This usually ranges from $25 to $100 and depends on how far I have to drive, whether the search is on land or in water, and how big the area is to search. Sometimes searches are 15 minutes and sometimes they're 15 hours. (laughs) But anyways, so that covers kind of my time. And then if I find the item, I just ask for a discretionary reward. I usually don't negotiate the reward amount. And that amount just ranges from whatever the people think my service is worth and what they can afford. And that's just kind of how I run my business. It's not enough to quit my day job, but allows me to cover my marketing, my web ads, running the website, buying and maintaining my equipment, and just other business expenses that might come up. Other ways I've marketed my business, everyone loves a feel-good story, and newspapers and TV stations are always looking for something to run that is good news. And somebody finding a ring and returning it to somebody is usually something that people like to hear about. So over the years, I've been in the paper and on the TV a number of times, And actually, those stories sometimes turn into new business where people have lost their ring in the backyard or somewhere and they figure that it's gone forever, but they'll see the story and they figure they'll give me a call and and give it a chance. I actually just crossed 100 rings returned to people and my estimated value of that is about $250,000 worth of jewelry, which is pretty cool. My future plans are to build more relationships with insurance companies. Most people who lose a ring don't want an insurance check back to go buy a new one. They want their original ring. So I see it as a win-win-win. The person gets grandma's ring back. The insurance company saves on paying out on that huge claim. And I win because I get a small finder's fee and the thrill of helping somebody out. I love it, Dan. Thanks for sharing that one. You can find him at lostandfoundring.com. Now, Coach Dom Costa from LA wrote a very nice post in the Side Hustle Nation blog a couple years ago on storage unit auctions. But what if you actually owned the storage space? Seems like an interesting way to generate some maybe relatively passive cash flow, right? Well, you know how there's a startup for everything. It shouldn't surprise you that there's a startup for self-storage. It's called Neighbor.com. 
This is creative side hustle number four, peer-to-peer storage. Neighbor, the company, has been around since 2017 and lets you monetize the extra space in your garage, your attic, your basement, your side yard by renting it out to other people who just need a place to store their stuff. Here's neighbor user Josh on his experience so far. Yes, we just recently moved into this house and it comes with this whole, you know, one and a half car garage, or I should say it's two car garage, and we've got nothing to put in here. So my thought was, I've got all this empty space, I might as well make some money off it. And so, uh, you know, it worked out perfect. This directly reduces our mortgage, which has been fantastic. Everyone I've met, I've had five renters so far. Everyone's been really courteous and kind. Just like other peer-to-peer sites, the value proposition for customers is it's cheaper slash easier slash more flexible than the old way, which would be renting a traditional storage unit. And for homeowners, it's a way to monetize a potentially underutilized asset. Now, when browsing the neighbor.com site, I'm seeing rates ranging from $10 a month to $150 a month, depending on how much space we're talking about. TJ in Utah looks at it from an investment perspective. So I've been investing in real estate for about two years now. I own a few properties here in the Utah Valley. And uh, I found out about Neighbor because I was looking for a solution to increase cash flow in my small portfolio. Literally, what I did was I went on Neighbor, signed up, and then I posted it on social media. And within two minutes, we had people interested. And uh, we had so many prospects in about a week, we were able to rent our units. So just to kind of quantify the value of Neighbor as an investor. Right now, I'm actually making just as much money as I would if I were to buy an entirely new investment property. Neighbor automates everything for me as an investor. I don't like dealing with tenants, really. You know, that's what you do as an investor in properties. You're dealing with tenants, you're managing the properties, you're not doing any of that through Neighbor, and you're getting a steady monthly cash flow of income as well. So that's why I love Neighbor. Thanks to Josh and TJ for sharing your experience, and thanks to the team at Neighbor for connecting me with those clips. Let's keep going on the peer-to-peer train for a minute with creative side hustle number five, which is vehicle rentals. For a while now, companies like Turo and GetAround have been letting you basically start your own peer-to-peer car rental service, but with air travel, a shadow of its former self, the car rental business has been decimated as well. The one exception here camper vans and RVs. Keith Lembach from Dink Pie, I uh, think Diversified Income Pie, D-I-N-C Pie, he sent me a note about renting out his Sprinter van this summer. These things, yes, can cost north of a hundred grand if you want to buy them new. Used, you'd be looking at a little better deal, maybe less than half of that, plus some investment in making it camping friendly. But the crazy thing is they're renting for $200 a night or more. Keith compared it to buying an apartment for half a million dollars or a condo for half a million dollars and renting it out for $200 a night. Here's something that costs a fraction of that. Now, let's say you have 50% occupancy to be you know, reasonably conservative given the crazy high demand for anything camping related right now, but also recognizing, hey, there's going to be some seasonality here. Maybe 200 bucks a night times 15 nights a month is reasonable, and that would be $3,000 a month or 36 grand a year. So I think if you could find a used camper van or turn it into a hashtag van life camper, you could still clear a couple grand a month, even with financing. So compared to traditional real estate, this is one that pencils out to much higher ROIs. And to be fair, there's some depreciation to take into consideration and obviously insurance, though if you rent 
through a platform like Outdoorsy, which Keith recommended, or RVShare.com. They handle that insurance for you. And when your gig isn't rented out, you can use Neighbor.com to find an affordable place to park it. In any case, I've been thinking more about these types of unconventional rental assets lately. And in fact, have come across a group of people investing in semi-trucks. And it sounds like the math may be similar, like buy a used truck, 40, 50 grand, and essentially lease it out for a thousand bucks a week. Yes, there's maintenance involved. Yes, there's management involved. Yes, there's liability involved. But it's definitely uh, an intriguing alternative. Hopefully I'll be able to connect with an authority in that space soon and share with you guys. As you know, I think the flea market flipping side hustle of buying low and selling high is one of the fastest ways to multiply money. But it still comes with some startup cost. You got to buy your initial inventory, right? Well, let me introduce you to creative side hustle number six. And yes, this is real. It's dumpster diving. It follows the same idea of buying low and selling high, except instead of buying low, you're actually scoring inventory for free out of the trash. Tiffany Butler is known as Dumpster Diving Mama on TikTok and Instagram, and she told Yahoo News she made around $30,000 in 2018 just selling her dumpster finds. Examples of treasures she's found in the trash include a $3,000 armoire, brand new unopened makeup, a Michael Kors handbag, and hundreds of pounds of unopened pet food. The mom of four from Texas uses platforms like Facebook Marketplace, Mercari, and Poshmark to resell the items she finds that has value. As far as strategy, I'd like to think the dumpsters behind higher-end stores in more affluent neighborhoods would probably be your best bet, but Tiffany stressed that consistency is key. Quote, I just go every day and it's a hit or miss. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. It's part of the fun. End quote. Be sure to follow along at Dumpster Diving Mama and DumpsterDivingMama.com for more. Creative side hustle number seven is a business you probably don't think a lot about, but it's one that you touch pretty much every time you get in the car, and that's parking lot striping. Side hustle show listener Dan Zerker from AmericanStriping.com has been doing this for decades. My name is Dan Zerker, and I own the American Striping Company. I've been striping streets and parking lots full-time for 28 years. Most of those jobs I accomplished alone. I earn $165,000 a year, and I take winter off. It's a great living, and I believe the all-time best small business startup ever, which is why I wrote my book, How I Stripe a Parking Lot, 28 Years by Myself. First, I want you to notice the parking lots in your city. Every bank parking lot, every school, every playground, every fast food restaurant, every privately owned restaurant, coffee shop, every truck dock, hardware stores, grocery stores, places of worship, every hospital, gas stations, every parking garage, strip malls, everywhere. I'll give you my site in a minute, but first I'd like to tell you about a chapter in my book titled Your First Job. I offer a couple ideas on where to go to get your first job and maybe some things to look for. Rule number one, find a self-standing building where the owner or decision maker is inside. Places of worship fit this bill. Mom and pop anything fits the bill, such as a pizza shop, or a restaurant, not nationally chained, a daycare. Look for the job that I title, Restripe to Existing Layout and Pattern. Something you're comfortable with. One that can be easily blocked down. Maybe the pizza shop doesn't open till four. The daycare is probably closed on the weekends. You're going to need some time on your first several jobs. One that has no more than 30 cars, maybe 10 cars. Something you're comfortable with. Minimal stenciling. 
One of my first jobs was I walked into a smaller home that had been converted into a realty office. All I said was, can I restripe your parking lot? I have a real striping machine, not an upside down spray can. I'll come back after hours. All the stripes will be straight, parallel, and of the same length. That's all I said. They looked at each other, smiled, and said, sure. So I said, thank you. I left. I came back later. I striped seven lines. Look for that type of a job. Another idea is a phone call, and you can call the local school system. Ask to be placed on their bid list for any parking lot or playground striping jobs. It might not be the paint division. It might be buildings and grounds. I secured 150 schools along with many of the playgrounds and a couple of football fields that I painted on the parking lot so the band could practice. I also called the home office of a fast food restaurant chain and asked to be put on their bid list. Some locations are franchised and they're going to be franchised and you may never find that individual owner, but many of the locations were still corporate owned. I ended up striping 80 local corporate owned stores, self-standing buildings. Again, a phone call. In my first year, I earned $4,000. I paid my mother back. She loaned me that money for the machine. In my second year, 13 grand. Third was 30 grand. I quit my job. In the fourth year, it doubled. In my fifth year, it doubled again, and it went up from there. I hope those ideas helped. My name is Dan Zerker. I own the American Striping Company. Take a look at my site. Take a look at my book. Take a look at my stencils. AmericanStriping.com. Striping as one P. AmericanStriping.com. Thanks, Dan, for sharing that. And yes, one P in striping, or else you're likely to find a very different side hustle. This one definitely makes you think about all the little behind-the-scenes businesses that help make a town run. Even when I walk down Main Street or Front Street, as it's called in Livermore, and see the painting and the landscaping and the design for the flyers in the windows and the delivery services and the t-shirts that people are wearing and all the business ideas that are right under our noses, I will admit, Dan, the parking stripes were one that I missed. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. Creative side hustle number eight is actually another great example of learning a skill and going out and selling it. In this case, a lawn aeration service. Ken Elsoff shared this story in the Side Hustle Nation Facebook group. I'll do my best to paraphrase here, but he tells a story about how his 16-year-old went door-to-door trying to sell lawn mowing. And it didn't actually go very well because he realized that the homeowners already had a lawnmower. So it's kind of back to the drawing board. And he studied up on the aerating service, mostly by watching YouTube videos on how to run the aerator, how to run this machine. And so because most homeowners don't have this sitting in their garage, had much better luck. So he printed out a screenshot from a website of a local company that did aerating for $200 and instead priced his service at 175 showing homeowners that his prices were you know, cheaper than the big guys. 
And then he took with him as a visual aid a Ziploc baggie with some of the dirt plugs from the high school football field after it was aerated. And he used that to show the homeowners what's going to be lying all over your lawn when he's all done. So continued to go door to door selling lawn mowing, but offering the aerating service as well. So it was work, you know, he was already doing just adding this additional service. So we got six signups, six people to say yes within a four block radius to say, yes, I will hire you for aeration. So that's when Ken and his son roll up to Home Depot, rent the aerator for 24 hours for $110. Kid goes back, knocks out all six lawns in one day in five hours, pays dad back for Home Depot rental deposit fee, and ends up clearing $820 for one day of work. For a 16-year-old to make $820 in one day, I think that's a good business, and that was Ken's point. Like, this is totally doable, totally within reach for anyone. He did also leave this pro tip that if you are doing it by yourself, you're going to want to rent a ramp so you can get the aerator out of the truck. He says it's heavy as hell, and one person cannot lift it. Hope that helps. I love this story and think it's easily replicable in your neighborhood or pivotable to another service that may be more in-season, pressure washing, gutter cleaning, trash bin cleaning, Christmas light installation. So big thanks to Ken for sharing that one. One thing I've been on the hunt for this year is creative ways to take advantage of print-on-demand technology. You've known about this stuff for years. We've been covering Teespring and Merch by Amazon and print-on-demand book publishing, but it's still far from being mainstream. And that brings me to creative side hustle number nine, print-on-demand for businesses. It's POD B2B style. Hi, my name is Tammy Crin, the founder of KDP for B2B.com. And that stands for Kendall Direct Publishing for Business to Business. I help people harness the power of print-on-demand for businesses. KDP for B2B is a way for a business to elevate their brand by using Amazon's print-on-demand services to create branded booklets that will help a business stand out from their competition. When I got started with KDP a few years ago, I was so excited to get what we call low-content books up on Amazon's platform. Think journals and notebooks. When I got my journal up on Amazon's platform, I waited for my sales to come in and I waited and I waited and cricket, no sales. Okay. I take that back. I got one sale. And then I found out it was my sister who bought my journal. Thank goodness for family, right? <laughs> but then that's when it got me to thinking when I own my own business and if I would have had this service available to me, it would have been a game changer. As I thought about businesses and marketing material and what was available, Amazon print-on-demand was a great fit. And this is huge for a business with a smaller marketing budget. Most businesses don't even know you can get a branded booklet printed by Amazon. You can also purchase one book at a time at a very low price. If the business needs changes to the booklet, it can be done very quickly and they don't have to have a stack of booklets in their office with incorrect information. And the kicker? The kicker is the booklets can be shipped in two days with Prime, and that saves the business owner time and shipping cost. That is a big advantage for business owners. Business owners are very busy, and they're happy for someone to create these branded booklets for them. Let me give you an example of a type of business I reached out to all the time, realtors. Realtors are perfect for branded booklets. We all know many realtors, and they love to stand out from the crowd. These branded booklets do just that. Think of these booklets like a large business card and no one will throw them away. The front cover with the realtor's getting your home ready to sell checklist. The back cover has the realtor's contact information, bio and photo, etc. 
The interior of the booklet would be like a checklist for getting your home ready to sell, decluttering tips, garage sale tips, maintenance tips, etc. Now, how do I make money? I charge a setup fee starting at $600. And then the booklet is under my KDP Amazon account. And the realtor buys the booklets off of Amazon. I have added a $5 royalty to each booklet. So every time the booklet is bought, I make a royalty off of each booklet sold. This becomes a reoccurring income stream for me. My husband, Rob, and I have been sharing our KDP for B2B business model for over two years with great success. So many people have had great success with this business that we wanted to share it with you. The other one is so many people are moving on to an online business model and the branded books are perfect for them, especially businesses that need workbooks, courses, and programs. There's so much opportunity out there for using these KDP for B2B business model. We are working on so many strategy and resources to make it easy for you to build your own business. We have an email strategy to reach out to businesses. We have graphic artists to help you design your booklets if needed. We have coaches to help you know what to say and how to say it. We are building leads list and much, much more. Thanks to Tammy for sharing that. And thanks to Adam Wilson for connecting us. Again, you can find her at kdp 4 the number 4, b2b.com. Kind of a mouthful of a URL, so I'll link that up for you in the show notes for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash 420. This is an interesting one because you're not relying on the spray and pray model of pumping out dozens or hundreds of low content titles based on keyword research and then hoping that those get discovered and bought through Amazon's search engine. Instead, you're finding one company at a time where a journal or a workbook or a logbook would be a big value add to their customers. And you're serving them by creating this asset, getting paid upfront, and then possibly getting paid down the road in the form of KDP royalties as they order copies or as their customers order copies. Because the barrier to entry and print on demand is so low, we've seen the marketplaces just flooded and it becomes very much a volume game. Tammy's model is a workaround where you can still take advantage of the technology just with a different strategy. Again, KDP for b2b.com. Creative side hustle number 10 is one that I think has a lot of potential and that's eBay brokering. Because we probably all know someone who has something they'd like to get rid of, but they put it off because they don't want to take pictures, they don't want to clean it up, fix it up, they don't want to create a listing, they don't want to deal with shipping. eBay can be a pain. For a fee, this business model takes that pain away. Jamie McLaughlin has been doing this for years, And it's actually turned into a full-time income. Hi, this is Jamie, and I run the Broad Jam eBay store, where I specialize in collectible fashion dolls. It all started in 2005, when I decided to sell a few personal belongings on eBay, one of which was an old framed sketching that I had picked up years prior at a flea market for $35. It ended up selling auction style for $700. I was flabbergasted. And the next day, as I shared my excitement with some coworkers, one of them asked if I would be interested in helping them sell some dolls. It sounded easy enough, so I agreed, and a couple of weeks later, they loaded me up with about a dozen dolls and gave me specific instructions on how to list them on eBay. Undressing the dolls and listing their outfits separately, starting everything out at $9.99, and running the auctions for five days. I was astonished the night that all of the auctions ended, 
almost everything sold for between $100 and $150, some items for much more. Both me and my coworker were thrilled with the outcome and thus began my dolly side hustle. My coworker had a vast doll collection, so this kept me busy for quite some time, selling 20 or so items on a weekly basis. If you're a serious doll collector, you know other doll collectors, and soon I was being introduced to others who were interested in having me sell for them too. After about a year and a half, I was making enough money to where I felt comfortable quitting my job. I started selling more items each week to bring in a full-time salary, and to this day, it remains my main source of income. I charge my clients a 37% commission, which covers all eBay and merchant fees, photography, listing the items, and getting them shipped out once sold. The buyer of the item always pays the shipping cost. My average annual gross sales is around 350000 although last year, in 2019, I had a record-breaking year with gross sales at 480000 I meet a need within the doll community by doing all of the work to get rid of the dolls they no longer care for and turning them into extra cash to purchase the newer dolls that they covet. Many doll collectors who have bought from my eBay store over the years are now turning to me to help them minimize or liquidate their own collections for various reasons. In the beginning, I kept my identity very private and did not do any type of marketing or use social media. My clientele grew over the years solely by word of mouth. But in 2013, I created a website and a Facebook page to make it easier for new clients to find me and to allow my older clients and customers a chance to get to know me a little better. At that time, I also jokingly dubbed my cat, Henry, as my CEO. I used a photo of him as my eBay profile picture and started sharing photos and videos of him with my followers on Facebook. About a year and a half ago, I started sharing bits and pieces of my story on how I got into this business by including a small paragraph within each week's auction listings. The response has been surprising and heartwarming. Me and my cat, Henry, have become like a family to so many of my customers and clients. I'm very happy and content with how well my business is doing financially. I really don't have a desire to grow my business in terms of sales and or the amount of inventory that I move. I am finding that the impact from the way that I have been connecting with my customers and clients is more valuable and rewarding than growing my business monetarily and it affords me extra free time to do volunteer work in my community. I hope to continue to connect on a deeper and more personal level and perhaps put all of my writings into a book one day. I'm also considering having a doll made in my likeness that will come with a little Henry the Cat. I love it, Jamie. Thank you so much for sharing that. eBay brokering, kind of like your own little virtual consignment business, 37% fee off the top. Very low risk to get started. If you do take action on this one or any of the ideas in the episode, definitely let me know. Let's bring it home with creative side hustle number 11, Yard Signs. My name is John Dillon. I've been able to turn my side hustles into full-time hustles. I have about five streams of income. And today I want to tell you about one of my newest ones. The name of the business is Yard Cards Tupelo. Tupelo being my hometown. 
You can find us on Facebook under that name or check out our website at www.bookyoursign.com. It is a yard sign greeting business. We celebrate special occasions like birthdays, anniversaries, gender reveals by spelling out phrases using letter signs. These types of businesses have the potential to be very lucrative and became extremely popular during the pandemic. I got the idea over the summer when I met someone who had one of these businesses who was doing very well. So I asked a lot of questions, did some research, and checked out how my fellow competition was doing in the area and decided to pull the trigger. I ordered all of my signs and decorations off Amazon. I set up Square for my point of sale. I used Google Forms for my order form. My initial investment was right below $1,000 for everything. When my signs arrived, it was time to get to work. Since I didn't have any pictures of my services, I had to create some. I went to a couple of nice empty homes for sale and I set up mock events. I set up our Facebook page, posted a few pictures in groups. After getting some traction, I started running pay-per-click Facebook ads. I made back my investment within the first three weeks. I charge anywhere between $55 and $80 for a 24-hour rental. In the third month, it currently generates between $300 and $400 a week. I plan to grow the business and hopefully get it to doing $1,000 a week. My long-term goal for the business is to turn it into a franchise so we can expand to other cities. Thanks for letting me tell you about my side hustle, and I hope this inspires somebody. Well, John, this one definitely inspires me, so thank you for sharing Tupelo, Mississippi, for the sake of reference, is a city of 38,000, which maybe makes this even more interesting in that it's not a huge metropolis and there was already competition, yet there was still enough business to grow here to several hundred dollars a week in just a few months. These types of yard signs were a thing pre-COVID, but are certainly more of a thing now. You can be sure to check out John's site at bookyoursign.com. See what's going on in your area in this yard sign front. So common themes in this episode, number one for me is to piggyback on trends. There's no need to try and create your own demand, just ride a wave that's already coming in. Number two is to use technology to your advantage. Many of these businesses are pretty low tech, but have an element of online ordering, an element of tapping into new marketplaces, or maybe just using new tools that the competition or customers might not be aware of. Any or all of those is enough to create a little differentiation between you and what everybody else is doing, every other option that's out there. And number three was to find a way to help people. If you get good at finding problems, you're already halfway to a new business idea. Do you have a creative side hustle like any of these? Absolutely, send it my way. Send me an email, I'd love to hear from you. Share it in the Facebook group, tag me. I love this stuff. It's been easy this year to think of all the things that we're missing out on, like seeing friends and family and traveling and date nights and going to business conferences, it's been challenging in some really unprecedented ways. And one thing that I've found helpful during this crazy year is pausing for gratitude, trying to reflect on all the things that we can do that we either didn't do before or we didn't appreciate before. For example, we've had deeper conversations, we felt less rushed than ever, got nowhere to go and all day to get there. And we've had more time with the kids while they're at an age when they still want to hang out with us. And while some of the days seemed to drag on forever, oh my gosh, it's only 1030. All in all, it's gone by in a blink, just like every year. So 
let me take the moment here to say happy Thanksgiving from my family to yours. I'm grateful that you're spending some time with me today. And really each and every time you put a little side hustle show in your earbuds. That is it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be good to each other. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Are you excited for Thanksgiving? Yes. What does Thanksgiving mean? Ham. Ham? Yeah. What? <laughs> Not turkey? Yeah, ham. Is ham. <laughs> when have you had ham? Um, really. At Auntie Gail's. Okay. Would you have any other favorite Thanksgiving food? Pie? Potatoes? Yes. Macaroni? Yes. Do you know what Thanksgiving means? Yes. What? Ham. <laughs> Still on the ham kick. What about, you know, it means being thankful. What are you thankful for? Legos. Legos. Anything else? My tongue. (laughs) What about your tongue? Why are you thankful for your tongue? (laughs) Because I love it. I'm also thankful to my underwear. Is there anything you want for Christmas? Yes. Like what? A new Lego. A new Lego. What do you think brother wants for Christmas? A drill. A drill? Yeah. Like power tools? He's two and a half. (laughs) (laughs) What's he going to build with a drill? I know what I want for Christmas. What? A suitcase. Oh, yeah? What are you going to do with a suitcase? Go to the airport. Go to the airport? Do you miss going on airplanes this year? Yeah. Where do you want to go? To the inside of your body. No. Where do you want to fly to? Australia. Australia? You know how long that flight is? What? That's like a 14-hour flight. What would you do on an airplane for 14 hours? I watch shows. Your brain, you would watch so many shows, your brain would turn to mush. Yeah, would be like... Yeah, we'd land in Australia, and we'd just have to, like, get a bucket to get you out of the airplane, because it'd be so mushy. So you want a suitcase, what would you put in your suitcase? Uh, new underwear. Underwear, gotta, I mean, that's important, gotta pack that. Have you ever been to Australia before? What do you know about Australia. Um, there's spiders, kangaroola, and tooths. Tooths? Yeah. Kangaroos, spiders, and tooths? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to leave out for Santa? Peanut butter cookie. Okay. And a chocolate chip cookie. Peanut butter cookie, chocolate chip cookie, anything else? A salad cookie. A salad cookie? Yeah. Because he needs some salad. He needs some veggies, huh? Yeah. You know what else I would pack in my, my suitcase? What else? puzzle. All right, a puzzle could be good to bring. Like, you would, like, build, build on a plane. What if I had 600 million suitcases, and in one of them, I put a crap. (laughs) If you needed to make extra money, what would you do? Get a pet crab. How would that help you? (laughs) So I could snap my finger and I would get money. How would that work? <laughs> Where does money come from? Uh, a microphone. <laughs> In my case, a little bit. <laughs> kind of. All right. You done with this? Yeah.